Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Joe Porter. Dismayed by the death of George Floyd and inspired by the actions of NFL player Colin Kaepernick, athletes from around the world have come together during one of the most politically charged periods in modern history. All Blacks Cody Taylor and Josh Ioane have joined the international chorus of sporting people taking a public stand against racism amid ongoing protest in the United States. Taylor and Ioane posted the Black Square image to their social media accounts, showing their support in the wake of the death of Mr Floyd in police custody in Minneapolis last week. Taylor wanted to use his standing as an All Black to raise awareness about racism, which he said was everywhere. Racism isn't just in America, it's all around the world, and I think it's awesome that you know people, public figures, are really trying to step out and, and um, make it more of an awareness so that we can change um, I'm of Māori descent, but I'm also of Pākehā descent, so sort of in in the middle in a sense, but I I know that a lot of people do struggle with it, and I suppose I've been in a position of privilege as well, which um, there's been a lot of talk about, but um, yeah, it's pretty pretty moving to see that people want change, and I think if the more we can make bank people aware, then, then hopefully that can happen. UFC world champion Israel Adesanya spoke at the Auckland Black Lives Matter march earlier this week. He told TVNZ why New Zealanders need to take a stand. What have I been taught? What have I been told to believe that makes me feel uncomfortable to talk about racism? Because it is here. And sexism. And bigotry. All that. Like, same thing you have to do if, you, if, if you're a person who can profit from racism or profit from white privilege. And you have to understand, like, hmm, you, you, like... Someone said it yesterday. Imagine that feeling you get when, if, if you're in, like, say, a low-income neighborhood like South Auckland, where you walk around and you're just, like, on edge and sketchy and just making sure, you know, you don't offend the wrong people. And they're like, what are you looking at? Imagine that every day. But some of you probably won't even venture in South, South Auckland. Some of, some of them wouldn't even, even enter that area. But imagine what it's like for people from Otar, from uh, Monaco, from... Tap, you know, tap north, tap south, whatever. Imagine how they feel when they're in certain neighborhoods or in the city and or even going to job interviews and you feel on edge because you don't know if these people will accept you for who you are. Like, yeah, it's f- So some people will never experience that. You'll never understand it. But you have to stand. You have to stand. Things have escalated so much that FIFA, the governing body of world football, took the rare step of urging competition organisers to consider not sanctioning players who support justice for Mr Floyd during matches. The laws of the game prohibit any political, religious or personal slogans, statements or images. Sports people making political statements is nothing new. Think boxer Muhammad Ali, runner Catherine Switzer and domestically former All Black captain Graham Murray refusing to play the Springboks. But are we in a new age of sports people taking a stand? Joining me on the program today is former Black Fern, Silver Fern, and now MP Louisa Wall, Massey University's Dr. Jeremy Harpeter, and Stuff Sports journalist Kevin Norkey. Louisa, if we start with you, what do you make of the response from the international sports community to the Black Lives Matter movement? Oh, well, for me, it's actually a continuation of sports uh, taking responsibility 
uh, to ensure that uh, their sport is diverse and it's inclusive. Uh, we obviously saw that uh, profoundly happen during the marriage equality debate in Australia, where all the codes came out in support. Uh, I think all these isms, whether they be racisms or phobias, homophobia, sexism, etc., etc., uh, sport now has an influential platform. Uh, many of the players are household names, they're revered, they influence young people. And I think that uh, sports now are asserting themselves uh, as uh, social influencers. For me, it correlates to uh, the acknowledgement from them that they do have that power to influence, and particularly young people, but it's also because of their corporate uh, relationships. Many of the corporates have for a long time focused on diversity and inclusion, and we all know now uh, that to maximise profits, uh, you can't marginalise any of your workforce. So there seems to be a synergy globally uh, about this particular issue, and it's about time. Absolutely. And do you feel now that sports people have a responsibility? Can they just play and abdicate their leadership accountability as role models? Or do you think that part of the new job as a role model, role model and a well-paid athlete is to have that social conscience? Oh, you have to now, as I said before, because of the association with uh, corporate sponsorship. No uh, corporate wants to be associated with excluding whether it be black people, white people, yellow people, uh, people based on their sexual orientation, gender identity, uh, being sexist against women. It's actually uh, intolerable uh, in the international climate today. So uh, the reality for our sports people, whether they like it or not, because of the platforms that have been created through professional sport, uh, they all have to be prepared uh, for what that means. And that does mean at times like this, standing up and speaking out against racism. And Dr. Harpeter, you've analysed the responses from All Blacks such as TJ Pedernada and Brad Weber in relation to the Israel Falau gate. What did you learn from that particular experience? Um, yeah, I think, I guess what I learned from there was that they were allowed a voice. Um, and if you think back to 2017 when um, New Zealand Rugby's report on respect and responsibility came out, um, Part of the findings of that report was that there were, there were still issues of racism that needed to be acknowledged and explored and also uh, acknowledged and reflected was that um, a, a bicultural identity in terms of uh, celebrating Māori um, culture and where players don't have to switch modes to a monocultural environment and suppress the things they valued most. Now, that, those findings in that report came out in 2017 and then what we saw in 2018 was um, Brad Weber and TJ Pirinara, um actually take a stand and, and stick up for uh, the Rainbow community and and actually, um, you know, they, they demonstrated their tūranga waiwai where perhaps in the past um, they maybe weren't allowed to uh, voice their views publicly, but... Um, what we saw after that report came out in 2017 was we saw more instances of actually um, players expressing their their uh, social conscience, and um, I think that's that's progressive and that's a that's a positive move forward. Now, obviously, um, in the expression of our views publicly, such as Israel Folau, um and and even Kaepernick, who who wasn't. Uh, Resigned to the 49ers in 2017, he was let go, and I don't think has picked up a contract since. But there are some um, 
I guess, consequences to that. And it's a matter of, I suppose, finding the right balance between getting your message across and being consistent with with uh, your values and beliefs and um, trying to do so in a way that enhances everyone's mana without, um, you know, marginalising minorities. Muhammad Ali, the protests at the Berlin Olympics, uh, Munich Olympics, sorry if I figured it off the top of my head, it's not a new thing, but are we seeing a new age where the majority of sports people are becoming politically active. We see it with LeBron James in America very strongly, TJ Pedernada and Adi Savio in New Zealand are two who come to mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think social media has certainly had a, um, a big influence. Technology's had a massive influence on um, on the way that we connect with our communities uh, who we represent. And um, people such as the ones you've mentioned are using their, their positions of privilege, really, to... Um, to promote uh, a more inclusive um, global society. And uh, I think that's definitely um, something that we'll see a lot more of in the future, is that uh, players are, will be <clears throat> expressing their, um, their views a, a lot more publicly, as, as Josh and, and um, others have done recently, such as Cody Taylor as well. Um, so it, it's... A, Probably going to, we'll see a lot more instances where um, players are using their profile uh, to to promote uh, a, a better world, really. And um, I, yeah, I'd I'd say it's probably not going to be the um, as you allude to. Muhammad Ali was was talking about these um, these. Racism, basically, these topics a long time ago, and we're still talking about it today. So, uh, if we ch- keep trying to sweep it under the carpet and not have the critical conversation that's required, then um, you know, we'll still be talking about it in, in 50 years' time to come. So, good on them for um, taking a stand and, and letting us know what their Tūranga Wai Wai is in terms of their um, their grounding and, and their position, their, their viewpoint, um, and Long may it continue, I say. When you put it like that, Muhammad Ali is still fighting for the same things people are fighting for today. It's a pretty sad reflection on society, really, isn't it? But we'll move on. Look, I'll open this question up for everyone. I'd like you all to jump in if you, if you have something to say. Racism in New Zealand sport. Look, we know New Zealand, the country, has a problem with racism. I think we can all agree on that. But what about sport? Are we kidding ourselves to think that the issues, like in the NFL, don't exist here in New Zealand? What, what do you guys think? Well, uh, Louisa here, I think racism exists everywhere. If it exists in society, then it uh, exists in our workplaces, it exists in our rugby netball club rooms, it exists uh, in every aspect of of society. Uh, And so uh, I think the difference in this situation is the sports people um, having a profile, having a platform, a privileged one has been commented on. Uh, and the fact that many of them now are taking that responsibility um, seriously, but also uh, they're, they're doing so, I think, uh, because there aren't any comebacks on them uh, personally. I think that there's been a, a, a change in position uh, by New Zealand Rugby, for example. I think for a long time uh, they abdicated uh, that social responsibility, and it was that mantra that sports and politics don't mix. Uh, but that 2017 report, I think, has blown that out the window because they realised that because of the influence their players have, when they misstep, 
Uh, and if they target, in that case, it was women, uh, and also there were homophobic uh, examples, uh, they as a code had to stand up and say, well, actually, we don't condone it. Uh, our players do need to be provided with the tools and education to ensure uh, that they realise that they are uh, representatives of us, that our brand uh, was damaged because of that. Who wants to be known to be sexist, homophobic, racist? Uh, and that goes to everybody and every, um, I think, uh, public organisation now has to have policies and practices uh, that ensure um, that their representatives actually represent inclusiveness and, uh, and diversity. I mean, we're a multicultural society here in New Zealand. Obviously, we have um, the Tukitati or Waitangi, so our relationship uh, with Māori is incredibly important. Uh, and for me, yeah, I want to highlight the actions of TJ Peranara. She's been standing up uh, for example, for Māori issues to do with Ihumato and, and what he thinks should happen there, that that land should be preserved for future generations. So, you know, gone are the days of the um, innocence of sports saying that they uh, don't have a responsibility in these political spaces. Kevin, you've been around sport for a long time. Have you seen instances of racism in New Zealand sport? Do you think there is still issues in that space? I think undoubtedly. Uh, in sport, I feel as if sport is possibly better off than the rest of society, uh, which doesn't say a great deal because <laughs> you know, it's a terrible issue. But my general feeling is that in sports clubs where you know people of different races are mixing, and I probably declare myself here as um, you know sort of what people would generally describe as white privileged, that when you are um, in a team with people from different races and playing with them, socialising with them and so forth, those differences that people seem uh, wanting to embed in society, if you like, and those stereotypes that they want to use, they, they can disappear. Uh, well, no, not disappear. Maybe they are just still there, but people get on better in those circumstances, and I think sport is, is quite a good... Um, leveller in that way as is say uh, the army and, and places where people go through uh, a lot of stress and uh, bond together and are a team it's, it's better but it's not not there And I guess the influence on the everyman of the sports star there uh, is important and that's why it is important that these people with these platforms continue to push those messages because Hearing it from politicians and people who are, you know, you know advocates isn't necessarily the same for, for a rugby fan as hearing it from their idol, so to speak. So I think long may that continue. Look, uh, Jeremy NZR's Independent Respect and Responsibility Review said, and I quote, there are still issues of racism that need to be acknowledged and explored. Look, what does that mean? Yeah, look, hey, I've got a couple of examples there. Um, so recently, I'm, I'm not trying to sell his book, but um, I think in... Uh, Phil Gifford came out with a book uh, in about 2015 around um, the Rugby World Cups and he, he told a few stories in that book and um, there's one particular story that I've um, come across around uh, Vainga Twingamala and, um, <clears throat> and in Gifford's book it's described as one of the funniest stories around uh, uh, an, I suppose an innocent eight-year-old uh, from Greymouth when they visited a school before the 91 World Cup um, 
Inga asked, uh, you know, if they knew what his nickname was, and, uh, and, and this little eight-year-old boy said, yeah, it's Big Black, um, and another B word that rhymes with mustard. And, um, and, and you know, that, that, that book came out only a few years ago, and the depiction of that being a funny story I find offensive. And, I, you know, I haven't asked Vainga Tungamala himself, but um, I, I wouldn't be, you know, too too proud of that story. Um, but, OK, so fair enough, that was 30 years ago. Um, <clears throat> however, uh, only a couple of years ago, I think uh, former National Rugby President John Sturgeon <clears throat> recently, um, you know, this is, I think, uh, covered... This story came out in the new year in 2019 where um, he was talking to a, a crowd in Greymouth when I think they named a, a rugby park there after him. And um, he was telling the story about how uh, on the 89 tour of Wales, they couldn't, uh, Griswoli couldn't spell Vainga Tuingamala's name. So he said, um, I'll just put in Terry Wright because, you know, that was an easier name to write. And and so Inga lost a, um, a, a a test cap. I don't know if it was for a test match or a, a midweek game. I'm not sure. But um, because Grizz couldn't spell Inga's name, they, they slotted in Terry Wright. Now, even though it happened 30 years ago, that story is still being shared, you know, as recently as 2018 by um, the former All Blacks manager. And, and, you know, the crowd all had a good old laugh about that story. And, Again, I, I don't find it funny. No, absolutely not. In fact, I, I, find, I find it completely it... cringeworthy. I don't know why people would ever refer to that story. It, it seems, well, to me, and I know I'm a little bit younger, but it seems to me like um, a parody. It doesn't seem real. But it is, of course, and it's, that's beyond unacceptable. But anyway. Yeah, and the, I mean, yeah, fair enough, these things happened in the 80s when when perhaps it was a wee bit more laughable and acceptable. Yeah, but to um, refer to it now does nothing but further damage, doesn't it? I mean, why would you want to bury that story where it belongs in the past? Yeah, to still be telling those stories today is, uh, oh, isn't it funny calling someone a big black um, son of an unmarried couple? Um, yeah, I don't... I think in, in 2020 that's actually mana diminishing, and, and I don't... Again, I can't speak for Inga himself, but I don't find those stories as mana enhancing for him. Um, where, you know, when we store, when we share our stories in terms of organisational culture, when we share stories of heroism, they those stories don't depict Inga as a as a hero. No, no, completely unfair, irrelevant, and let's be honest, it's casual racism at its worst. That story about the naming of Terry Wright on the wing—it's terrible. Look, um, yeah. Israel yeah. Falau. Yeah making social commentary. I'd want to get all your views on this too. Moving towards, I guess, a more legal point of view. So, Louisa, no doubt you'll be an expert. Uh, Israel Flower making social commentary. Irrelevant or whether or not you agree with his comments, which I'm assuming we don't, does he have the right to speak his mind in a public forum? And I think that goes back to his employment contract. Uh, I, at the time, was very clear that he had a duty of care because he was a privileged influencer to use that influence for good. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, sports organisations, international and national ones, have to have very clear uh, contracts and requirements in their contracts that uh, inclusion and diversity isn't... They're not just buzzwords. They actually matter. 
uh, and we've seen that in the Black Lives Matters movement because when, if we condone through an action, it means we're continuing to perpetuate racism, sexism, homophobia, whatever it might be. He has the right, but not within the context, I believe, of being a, uh, an international professional sports person who has such a, uh, an influence over particularly young people. And that was always my issue with Israel Folau. If he wanted to be a preacher and go every Sunday and spout that nonsense to people who wanted to listen to him, fair enough. But not from a platform of privilege. And I think we've seen more and more people talk about that. Um, I find it curious, uh, but also heartening, that people like Michael Jordan are starting to come out and use that platform and influence. Um, if you look at the doco, he was really clear he didn't do it initially because of his sponsors uh, and what might happen to sales of his... Um, his uh, apparel. Uh, so there's always been, I think, uh, that sport and politics don't mix, but sports people are part of society. But let's get real. So it has to uh, be political. And as soon as money became involved in sport, it became political. So that was, you know, that happened a long time ago. So we've got to really, that myth is busted, I think. Yeah, it needs to go, that, that old tired cliche. Look, Kevin, we have Israel Folau, who's essentially lost his employment due to making what could be deemed as hate speech. Colin Kaepernick, paid the cost, he lost his employment, but he was essentially on the other side of the coin being a civil rights activist. Is that the way you would see it? Uh, yes, I would see it, and, I, and I'd say that, in a sense, uh, the two circumstances are similar. They both uh, ruined their careers um, by speaking out for what they believed in. Now, I happen to believe in Colin Kaepernick's side of the story and not Israel Folau's side of the story, but uh, I think that when people take a moral stand and athletes do use their platform to take a moral stand, then uh, the, they are, in a sense, um, endangering their career and they have to decide whether they want uh, to go for the money or uh, to be able to live with themselves, if you like. You know, is it worth it? Um, can they, do they lose their soul if they sell out? And... I think uh, Colin Kaepernick has decided that you know he would stand up for his soul, and that's fine. But what worries me there is that he got isolated by the NFL, which is, is largely run by rich businessmen. He can't get a contract now, and that is very unfair, and it goes beyond black lives. It goes to all of us to say, hey, you know what, this is just not fair. Um, why should he suffer alone? I think that people that make these stands, um, as TJ did and Brad did and Colin Kaepernick did, um, and, and Israel Folau did as well, and people did stand by him, people who believed in him, but it's not on the one person. You know, it's not like TJ said something, um, so that's good old TJ. It's got to be um, stick up for him, and he's not alone, and let him know that he's not alone because these things are way bigger than one person. The Kaepernick situation is scary in many senses, especially when you look at young athletes coming up and, and wanting to get to a point where they can use that position of privilege and their platform to speak to the issues of society. But they look at what happened to Colin Kaepernick and they may enter that with a lot of trepidation. How? What can I say, even if it is on the right side of history, that's going to endanger, like you said, my career. So it does set a dangerous precedent, particularly the treatment of Kaepernick, because he was already a really high-profile athlete. Yes, he was a Super Bowl winner. Now, you don't go any higher than a Super Bowl winner, but he then became dispensable, and not dispensable because he didn't have talent, 
but dispensable because he had ideals that he was standing up for. And to me, that's yeah, that's poor. Uh, that's not how I see sport operating. I, I see sport as uh, morally quite a high, morally high ground. People um, mm. play golf and they obey the rules and they and they form a team and you've got a and you've got a, a moral standard for a team and and it stands for things and then for somebody to to make a moral stand and then be cut not on talent that is you know that is disgraceful in my mind. The other thing is that athletes may be seen as people that just throw a ball and shouldn't have an opinion about things. Um, what do they know? But in actual fact, yeah, as a society, we are all different. Athletes, politicians, we've got an academic here, a journalist. Now, different people are going to listen to each of us. Um, probably not the journalist so much. No one ever listens to journalists. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know... Uh, if an athlete can appeal, appeal to a person that only follows sport and not really politics or doesn't you know, follow journalism, never been to university, they are influencing you know, a very important part of society and a part that you know, potentially isn't getting those messages. So I, I feel like they are really, really important. And uh, I'd have to say, I think I said last year that TJ Perinara was my... Uh, sportsman of the year because he stood for something, and uh, I'd rather have players that stand for something that are than are good at clearing the ruck. That's a nice, nice note to end on there, Kevin. Thank you very much. Hey, th- thank you very much, Dr. Harpeter, Louisa Wall, and Kevin Norkey for joining me this morning. You guys are free to now hang up and get on with the really important stuff you've got to do in your lives. Thank you so much for taking time out. Okay. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.